again, thank you for having me today. The readings we had today, the first reading from, the, from Isaiah, the second reading from uh, Galatia, and the third reading from the Gospel from Luke, are actually saying one thing. I hope everybody can hear me. They are actually saying one, giving us one message. And after this gospel, after these three readings, and even the last, the gradual song we had, I will do this, I will do this, I will do this for your people, for your sake, there and there, corresponded with the three readings we had. And that reminds me one of my friends who was called to preach in a service. After the first and second reading and the gospel, he came to the pulpit like I am standing with you now. He said to them, all of you have heard what is read, and I believe it's clear to all of us, so we understand it. And let us pray. That was it. But I will not do that today. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I'm going to try to hold myself here because of the technicality of the microphone. The people, the only people who have done very well in serving God, the only group of people, even from the Bible reference, who have done very well in serving God are the people who understand that God has a problem in which he sent you to this world to solve for him. God actually has a problem that he chose you and sent you to this world to solve for him. And the only people that have done very well in worshiping God are people who understood this. If you don't understand this, you will worship God, but you will come to God with a shopping list. God, I want you to do this for me. I want you to do this for me. I want to, just like somebody in Albertine. When he put one in the basket, he crossed. He put another one in the basket, he crossed. You, God, do that for me. 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 And when God is not doing it according to your plan, you see them go walking away. You see them getting frustrated with God. You see them asking a lot of questions. Yeah, if God is God, why that? If God is God, why that? But if you understand that there is a reason why God put you where you are, where God put you in the family you were born, where, why God put you in the country you were born? 
where God made you part of the society that you are. If you understand this, you will worship God much better because wherever you are, you will ask yourself, I'm going, I'm going to find out why God brought me here. What is it that God wants me to do here? I remember many years ago, about 25 years ago, when I came here, I came here 17 years old, actually, when I came to study. And uh, I have to be given permission, Netherlands card. And I was involved in what they call process verbal with the police. They were asking me questions, then they are writing it down. And after a while, the policeman told me, listen, young boy, do you know we are going to cross-check all this information that you gave us? Because if we found that any of this information is false, you will be punished. Or your study, your study here will be rejected. I told him, listen, young man. <laughs> I am not interested whether you are going to send me to the prison or not. He turned and said, oh yeah? I said, yes. If you decide to send me to prison, I will be going to prison to find out what I'm going there to do for God. The only motivation that we have to follow you to the prison is to find out what exactly, do, what work does God have here for me? Not this nothing you are telling me. I'm not bothered about your threat. He looked at me. He gazed at me for a while. He came back with all the papers that he had. He wants to go away. He came before me and stamped that paper. Approved. Go. I don't want to stand between you and this, your God. <laughs> and later, when I went to, when they send a letter to me, usually, and that time I don't speak to God, so you go to an office called Flutter in Warwick for them to interpret the letter. So when I took the letter to, to, to that place, I said, What exactly is in this letter? The man looked at me and he said, the, who wrote this letter? I said, there was one police officer who interrogated me. The man wrote, whatever that is between this guy, this man, this, they call it betrokan, involved. Whatever that is with this betrokan and his God, the betrokan take it very serious. That was all he said. That was his final conclusion. Whatever. I don't know what is between this guy and this his God. But 95% of my question to him covers his God. And whatever that is that between him and that his God, he took it very seriously. I asked the guy again, is that what is in the letter? I said, yes. I said, give me my letter. Thank you. That's my letter. He said, we should have a copy. I said, unless we have a part in my God. I said, no, 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 no. I have next to Mark Met. Hello over here. Go, take your letter. <laughs> in Genesis chapter 2, 
When God created the whole heaven and earth, he looked at it and he said it was very good. And then he said, let us make man and woman. Why? That they may manage the earth. The reason God created man and woman after he has seen that everything he has done is very good, is that me and you may manage this earth. It is a problem that God wants you and me to solve for him. Beginning from Adam, that we may properly manage this earth that was very good. When he called Moses, Moses was born in a time of serious trouble. It was at the time where anybody that is giving birth to a child is actually giving birth to the child to die if it's a male child. There is already Pharaoh's degree in town that any male child of the Hebrew must uh, die. Kill it. The midwife has the order. The guards at the hospital has the order. And that was the time Moses was born, at a critical time that we call born male and die. And born female and live. God sent Moses at that critical time. And God saved his life because there is a task. There is a problem, serious problem that God had at that time. And he want Moses to solve that problem for him. Everyone must answer the call of God. If otherwise your stay on earth will be meaningless. You must live more than yourself. Otherwise if you die... We won't be remembered. If you really want to be remembered, live more than yourself. And bear it in your mind. You see, each time I'm going to church, um, when I was ordained, actually, I was the only person that was crying, while other people that were ordained were all rejoicing. I wasn't happy about that. I have told you a story here how I went, I go to church because of my mom. I've told you that many times. And I was a subscriber of church program. I like church. I like uh, everything they do in church. And uh, I was preparing myself to be a lawyer. I actually, I was like Eli. I answered Samuel many years before I realized that it was God that was calling. And I tried to dodge him. First I went and said, because my father died when I was young, and in Africa, we have a lot of land, and our other elders started claiming our land when our father died, and that made me so angry. And I said, I will be a lawyer, and when I finish, I'll make sure I put all these elderly men in jail. These people that have claimed our land these people would have seized our property because our father is not there, because my mother is very vulnerable. She's a woman that is married from another town. 
They will tell her, go and sit down, woman. Who told you? You came from somewhere else. Who told you where the boundary is here? And I was angry. But we, because we started worshiping God when I was young, wherever we go, they will tell me, in order to be happy in life, you must, God is calling you to serve him. Say, so God is calling me to be a priest, yes. Me that is planning to go and study abroad. How much do they pay priests, by the way? So when I studied law, I realized that I am not happy with it. This is within me, the fight that is going on within me. I realized I am not happy with this law. Practicing this law is not helping my conscience. Because you know, there's no truth and there's no lie in law. Law is proof beyond reasonable doubt. So if you come to court and tell them that this is a piece of pen, and you show that this glass has all the characteristics of pen, the court will accept that it's a pen, even though they know it's not pen. That's how law works. So I said, okay, you know what? Since I'm not happy with this law, I'm, I studied law of contract. Let me study marketing so that at least I can do marketing. Uh, I can be uh, 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 with law of contract. I, it can help me do marketing. Because right from school, I rejected science. Like I was telling Daniel when I was dressing up. Mr. Daniels, when I was dressing up, I asked him, you are an engineer? He said, yes. Like everybody else, mo most of us are engineers. I said, you are very smart, so you can calculate. He said, well, engineering is a lot of calculation. I said, I don't like engineering. That people, they don't make sense to me. <laughs> he asked me why. I told him there was one question they asked me in the exam that closed everything. He, he, he asked, asked, what was the question? I said, the examiner stupidly asked me in the exam that a car is traveling at 100 kilometers per hour. And the tire of the car is made by 225 by 26 centimeter circumference. And this car is, will travel from here to France, 240 kilometers. How many times will the tire turn <laughs> to get to that 220 kilometers? I say, my God. <laughs> is this an exam or what? What kind of stupid question is this? Me sitting in the car, relaxing, and maybe enjoying some Makosa music. And I should go and find out how many times the time, this man really want to kill me. I took the paper and go and submit and say, I am out. The, the examiner looked at the, the person, Daniel, you have not written anything. I said, I know. Tell them I didn't come for this exam. This is nonsense. I am going to ask subjects. And I switched to arts. So I tried. I left science. And then when I started studying marketing, it didn't work. Actually, the course that brought me to Holland was to study marketing. It was here that I changed my admission to theology.
when God is calling you to serve, that's why each time I'm going to church, I am not going there to teach anybody, no matter the church. I am not going there to do anything except to know why God is sending me here. So every day for me is a day of learning. Every day is a day of learning. If rain beat me on the road, if somebody insult me, if somebody humiliate me in the process of serving, I will not take it to the person. I will say, I would like to find out from God why I was humiliated. Why I was angry upon. You see, the problem we have is not the calling itself. The problem we have is the mismanagement of this world. The mismanagement of peace that was given to us. The mismanagement of love that we should share. The mismanagement of patience. The mismanagement of forgiveness that we should share. These are the things that are causing us problems. You know, in Africa, or in our language, where they speak pidgin English, somebody can do something to this young man and tell, please, I'm sorry. Sorry, sorry. Which kind of sorry be that? What kind of sorry is that? Sorry doesn't have two kinds. Sorry, sorry, I'm sorry. So Isaiah lived in the time like ours. From the first, he brought the message about the coming of the Messiah. Isaiah understood this message of God calling, having a problem for you to solve when he said, who will I send? And who will go for me? That's why I love the gradual hymn. It was very powerful, very direct to the message. And we were singing it, I was shaking my head. Look at how spirit works. The people who said this song doesn't even know what I'm going to preach. But it was the spirit that have directed us directly in one line. Isaiah knew, and Isaiah was saying, the problem we have is so frustrating that sometimes trouble will take too long that you may think that comfort will never come. Frustration may take too much time. Pain and trouble may take too much time. That was what was happening in Jerusalem at that, and Israel at that time, that people who wants to persevere for righteousness of God, who wants to keep the strength of righteousness going against the forces of wickedness and frustrations and lies of other people, we are getting more and more tired and more weird out. And in the end, Isaiah told them, there will be comfort. So you who is persevering, enduring, every time it will be you that will be cheated. Every time it will be you that will endure. Every time it is you that will take the blame, even though you are not wrong. Isaiah said, you will be comforted. Rejoice with Jerusalem. 
It will not continue to be like that. And what is the solution? The solution to it is to connect your suffering to the righteousness of God. Whatever you are bearing for the sake of God, whatever you are doing for the sake, connect it to the righteousness of God and you will feel better. Now I'm giving you counseling. If you connect whatever pain you have in serving the, the church, in serving your neighbor, in serving your in-laws, in serving your, your husband, family, in serving whatever it is, if you connect it to the goodness of God, you will feel better because then you will tell even the person, hey, Sister Liston, oh, I'm walking away, sorry. Hey, Sister Liston, I'm not doing this for you, but for the sake of who? God. You will feel better. Cleaning, she was saying, no, somebody cleaned the church today. Nobody will come if I don't come to clean it. But I am still going to clean it, even though nobody will notice, because I'm cleaning it for the sake of God. It will make you feel much better. If you connect whatever you are enduring to the righteousness of God. And I will give you an example. King Ezekiah, son of Ahaz, was king in Israel. Ezekiah became sick at a point after 10 years of being king. And this Isaiah was the prophet of his time. Isaiah went to him and said to him, King Ezekiah, thus says the Lord, prepare yourself, put your house in order because you will die from this sickness. Hezekiah did not say, for what? I'm just 53 years old. Eskiah did not say, Isaiah, pray for me. Isaiah have given him the word of God as a prophet. And Ezekiah knows it's authentic. Ezekiah turned to his bed and said to God, Oh, dear Lord, remember how I served you. How I cleaned your house every day, every, every week. How I make sure that the worship of Lord is established in this country. How I made sure that this righteousness is established. When these families were fighting, I was the person who made sure, even though they blame me, I make sure there was peace. At least there was calm. During the time of coronavirus, when everybody was running away from the church, I was here. I organized the Zoom service. I made sure this was done. I made sure this was done. God, remember how I walked in righteousness to, to, at your work. Rise in the morning, in the afternoon, in the night. Why would I not be healed? The Bible said, because Isaiah connected that sickness to the righteousness of God, God sent Isaiah back. And say, go and tell Iskaya he will not die. I will give him extra 15 years. And when you look at that from a political point of view, you will understand what the major problem of King Hezekiah was. At the time, Hezekiah has no son to inherit the kingdom after he died. And God knew the, at the bottom of his heart what his worry was. He's not worried about dying because he doesn't know he will rest in God. He was, he was 
begging to stay for a political reason. And the, the following year, he gave birth to a son called Manasseh. So whatever is the situation, whatever is the situation, connect it. How the pain you are feeling, the insult you are receiving, the condemnation, the frustration, you will be a happy man. That's how the apostles survived. When they were crucifying Peter, they, would think, they thought he would be begging, crying. He said, hey, I am not worthy to die like Christ. <laughs> so me, I am dying like Christ. Hey, can you clap for Jesus? Is it me dying like him? They were surprised. And they put the cross upside down. But he connected his day to the righteousness of God. And he didn't feel the pain. And that's how church survives. That's how Christian survives. When David was running away from his son Absalom, somebody met him, Shemai met him on the way and he was insulting him. A, a, a relation of Saul. You man of blood, it's because of your sin that God is, because of your sin that your son has risen against you. And one of the guys of David said to David, let me go over and cut this guy's head. How can he be insulting the king? David said, no, 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 no. This kind of insult is why God should have mercy on me. This insult is giving me now. It's what I can tender to God in prayer. And then God will, because of the accusation I have received when I did nothing. The insult that I received because of where I came from. These things is not my making. God will see that and have compassion on me. And David survived. I'm a biblical counselor. I'm not quoting any law to you. I'm quoting the one that I know, the book. When I was in school, I was doing a, what did they call it? A holiday work in a, in a, in a, in a factory that is cleaning the white bears like fazant, dove. They clean them, they prepare them, just three months, October to December, and then we go back to school. So I walk in that farm, and one day, the owner of the farm was asking me to calculate something for him. You see this science again, it has come back. <laughs> so I, I calculated the bill, I calculated it wrongly, because that time there was no phone where you can open and use your calculator. I calculated wrongly. The man looked at it, recalculated, and realized that it's wrong. He said to me, Daniel, the only thing that is in your head is the Bible. Simple mathematics, you can't even get it. Yeah, if it is Isaiah said or Moses said, you, you will become chief of that. I said, that's all I know, sir. Sorry. So I'm giving you what I know and what I have been given. You can't give what you don't have. Connect those problems. And actually, let me tell you, if you have never bore the rain and the fire of frustration in the service of God, in the work of righteousness, if you have never bore the condemnation and all these troubles, you will be guessing the power of God. But if you have borne them, 
you will be a testimony that God is good. That God fights for his people. In the Galatia, it was like that. I'm going to jump Galatia because of time. But the same message is given to us in Galatia. Go and read it again. Be forgive. Try to coach people to accept. And it is very difficult to accept what you know you didn't do wrong. But say, the Bible encourages you for the sake of mercy of God, for the concern, accept, let it go. Jesus made the matter worse. In the Gospel of Luke, where we read, you know what Jesus said? He said, in this calling that God is calling him to solve problems for him, I am sending you out like a sheep among the wolf. I say, my God. If Jesus has told us, I am sending you like a wolf among the sheep, I will rejoice. It's party. What does wolf eat? The sheep, they tear animal. If Jesus after listen, I am sending you out like a wolf among the sheep. Then it's joy party. Every time it will be hennekin and begged off. But he said, I am sending you like a sheep. Eh? In other words, brothers and sisters, what the wolf are they waiting for? Are sheep to devour food. I am sending you like a barbecue to school children. Hey. What does that mean? It means you must trade carefully. That's the only thing Jesus is telling you. You must trade every step. Is dangerous. Every step can lead to death. Every minor mistake can lead to death. I am sending you like a sheep. Oh, you must completely depend on my power. You have no power at all to defend yourself. You have no power at all to protect yourself. The only protection you have is me. Because in the wickedness of this world, in the heartlessness of the entire system of the world, you are just like a sheep among the folk, among the wolves. So if you forget everything, one, don't forget that I refused engineering because it didn't make sense to me. Don't forget that there is a problem you are called to solve. Wherever you are, wherever you are married, wherever you live, whichever nation you come from, whatever, whatever children are giving you, whatever it is, there is a problem you are called to solve. Don't shy away from that problem, connect the stress, the fire, the frustration, 
the condemnation that you bore or you still bear, connect it to the righteousness of God. And you will feel better because God will answer. Like in every situation, like in every situation, and don't forget, before you put one step out, check it very well, because you are stepping out like a wolf, like a sheep among the folk. But in all these things, remember, don't rejoice because you have the opportunity to serve. No. Rejoice because your name is written in heaven. Amen. Let us pray. Because you are a God, we thank you, we honor you for the power of reconciliation that we receive from heaven. Even those that are watching from home can feel and sense the Holy Spirit among us. We are the children of a fallen world. We are the children born in sin, but saved by grace. May the power of your grace overwhelm us. May the power of your grace heal us. May the understanding that comfort we come. May that sustain us and strengthen us in everyday life, in our relationship with you, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Can we clap for Jesus? Please. <laughs>